that the San Francisco 49ers surpassed the Philadelphia Eagles as the best team in the NFL after their huge week 13 head-to-head when we talk about that and so much more coming up next here on this episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, your daily NFL podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker. I'm the host of Locked On Ravens and also one of the many NFL experts here on our network. Of course, the Locked On Podcast Network. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube and audio form wherever you get your shows. And thank you, as always, for making Locked On NFL your first listen each and every day. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Game Time. Dial the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. A crazy slate of Week 13 games in the NFL. We definitely learned a lot about some teams. We're going to be getting into the biggest storylines throughout the week, starting off with the San Francisco 49ers. Brian Peacock, locked on 49ers, is going to be joining us to talk about if the 49ers have surpassed the Eagles as the best team in the NFL after San Francisco's walloping of Philadelphia in Week 13. Then we'll get the other side, the other perspective, with Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles, as he talks about what the loss actually means for Philadelphia. And then we'll move into the Sunday night game, which was a crazy one. We'll talk with Peter Bukowski of Locked on Packers about if Green Bay is for real. So without any further ado, let's now get into our first conversation with Brian Peacock of Locked on 49ers. What a statement by the San Francisco 49ers in week 13, taking down the Philadelphia Eagles in one of the most anticipated matchups of the entire year, 42 to 19. Here to talk about the winning side is Brian Peacock, one of the hosts of Locked On 49ers. And Brian, I think this went just how the 49ers wanted it to. That was an interesting start to the game, has some interesting moments throughout. But at the end of the day, Brock Purdy throws four touchdowns. Debo Samuel has three. It was domination all around when you look at that final score and the box score. How did San Francisco get this one done? It was unbelievable, yeah. And they, they, the 42 points they put up happened in three quarters because the first quarter, the 49ers were kind of getting beat up front a little bit on offense and um, those scatter shot and a couple of quick three and outs and long drives by the Philadelphia Eagles going down and scoring. And you got to give credit to the 49ers defense first for bending but not breaking and you know uh, making sure those are field goal drives and not touchdown drives. And so they were down six instead of down 14 after the first couple of drives of the game. And then all of a sudden, the 49ers started to click a little bit. And uh, and it was a really good drive down the field with a lot of help from everybody. Christian McCaffrey finally in the second quarter touches the football, right? Which seemed like, you know, Kyle Shanahan was getting getting crushed by 49ers fans early. It was like, this might you know be something you want to try to do. Kyle is uh, use the guy that you overuse all season long. And all of a sudden against the Eagles, you don't give the ball to Christian McCaffrey. It was really strange. Strange start to the game. Uh, they started clicking. They're running the ball behind big Trent Williams. They started blocking better. They started winning the other line of scrimmage against the Eagles offense. Um, you know, and obviously the, the playmakers started making plays, catching runs from George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon IU. And to Brock Purdy's credit, there was a lot of rack, yak yards and uh, a lot of playmakers making plays 
but he's finding those playmakers and he's been an unbelievable facilitator this year. And it was shaky for a quarter. And then he just, he's been the same guy he's been ever since he showed up. He's, he throws with anticipation. He gets the ball where it needs to be. And um, it's a scary mix and it's a scary brand of quarterback for a Kyle Shanahan offense when he has his ability to scheme things up when the 49ers can do what they need to do running the ball. And then you have these playmakers on top of it. And um, I, I I've already thought they were the best team in the NFL, Kevin coming into this game, but I don't think there's any doubt now when you see them put 40, like who are the best teams in the NFC? Well, they just beat them 42 to 10 and 42 to 19. So I don't know if there's any question. Now the 49ers are the best team in the NFC, They've had a little hiccup for three games earlier on in the season, and there's going to be some other big games. you got the Ravens coming up, and the AFC's a juggernaut as well. So um, it's going to be fun the rest of the season, but I don't see how the 49ers won't be favored every game the rest of the year until they get to the Super Bowl, and, and I think probably then too. Yeah, it's such a talented roster all the way around. And I know, Ryan, the conversation when the Eagles beat the Chiefs was, oh, there's so much vindication for the loss they took in the Super Bowl. With this one, does it give you 49ers fans any vindication after what happened in the NFC Championship game that you're able to get one? Or is it just, hey, we want to get it done in the playoffs? And that's when the vindication will happen. I think it was pretty important. There was a lot of talk. Uh, obviously, they're fighting in the game, too. And there was the weird thing on the sideline with the security guy <laughs> with the Eagles. It was just bizarre. Um, and, and really, the whole thing was the 49ers and 49ers fans feel so vindicated, I'm sure, because they were like, well, we didn't have a quarterback. And everyone's like, ah, you got you, you got beat fair and square. Come on, quit crying about it, right? And the 49ers are like, nah, see, when we have our quarterback, we're pretty stinking good. And this is maybe what would have happened in the NFC Championship game. And so th that's a huge statement for the 49ers. I think it was really important for them. I think confidence is going to be through the roof. Um, there's still some really important games to happen. They still need some help. Even if they win out, they still need the Eagles to lose a game so they can get uh, that that home field and, and that one seed in the NFC. But now it's at least possible because if the Eagles won this week, they could wrap up the, the home seat or the, the home field. And you know, obviously they're, they had an opportunity, I think even clinch a playoff berth and be the first team to do that as well this weekend. And now they're not going to be able to do that. And so um, this got really interesting in the NFC and I can't wait for the rest of it. Um, but I do want to give uh, credit to Brock Purdy because there was so much riding on him because it was like, you, you, if Brock Purdy came out and played all four quarters, like the first quarter, and laid an egg, and the 49ers lost the game, it would have been like, ah, yeah, see, it wouldn't have mattered. Brock Purdy's not that good. And Brock Purdy can come out and say, yeah, I just threw up 300 yards and four touchdowns on you. So I think it would have mattered if I was there in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, a statement in multiple different ways, multiple different levels. But I do want to get your take on the whole sideline incident that happened, because it's it's very rare you see a player engage with a security guy, and it's very rare security guys that close to the sideline interacting with the players. Obviously, it's an ejection for Drake Greenlaw and an ejection for the security guy, but that's a win for the Eagles in that moment because Drake Greenlaw is a heck of a player. So what yeah. was your whole take as that whole thing was unfolding? Yeah, it's, something like that can't happen. Uh, I, I would be shocked if Big Dom, uh, I think is his name, if he's on the sideline the rest of the year for the Eagles, because you can't, you know, a civilian in that case, you're not a player, you're not a coach, you're not a ref. You can't put your hands on a player. And he had his hands on, on, he was in the white, like that tackle that you can be mad about it all you want. It happened right in front of the Eagles bench, but um, that suplex of a tackle happened inbounds and it was a hard tackle. And that's a 160 pound wide receiver that a linebacker can pick up pretty easily. Uh, and, and Drake Greenlaw plays a certain 
brand of football where, where he kind of pushes the envelope. We, we started, I don't know if you're an NBA guy, Kevin, but we started calling Dre Greenlaw, Draymond Greenlaw, because he's <laughs> the, he's the Niners version of Draymond Green. Like, you know, the line stepper pushes that, that envelope a little bit. And uh, he did in this one as well. And, you know, stupid of him to kind of, it wasn't really a punch. I don't know what that was. It was really weird. Uh, but he did catch part of Big Dom's fat face. Um, and, and I say that because, like, this dude, like, dude, you can't do that. You can't put your hands on a player. You got to go. Uh, and it's unfortunate that that incident happened. Drake Greenlaw's got to be smarter. Um, but I think there's fines probably coming for the Eagles. And I don't think we're going to see Big Dom on the sideline anymore because you can't touch the player. And he touched the player first. It's not like he came... Jerry Greenlaw came looking for somebody. Someone came to him, and and that just that thing can't happen. That kind of thing can't happen in the NFL. Yeah, as it was unfolding again, you just you, you never see that in the league where a guy like that gets so close to the players. But you mentioned Brian, the 49ers, best team in the NFL in your opinion. But where do you kind of tear out the NFC right now? Because San Francisco, they've established you have Philly, you have Dallas, but then the rest of it, there are some question marks. So where would you kind of rank all these top NFC contenders? There's five clear good teams, I think, in the NFC. There's some bad in the NFC, too. Like, this is, I mean, the NFC is where you want to be. There's probably a handful of teams. I don't know how many exactly, half a dozen. They're in the AFC. They're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. They would just walk into the, the NFC playoff picture, right? But I think the Seahawks, even though they lost uh, to the 49ers, you know, uh, we've seen what the 49ers can do to teams. The Seahawks are pretty good. They're going to be a thorn in some teams' side. But, you know, clearly it's four teams, and I think the 49ers are at the top of it. Um that you know if they if they if they ran it back again against the Eagles I think it would be a lot closer game especially since the 49ers kind of just were extra hyped I think for this one you know and, and props to Debo Samuel for backing up the talk he talked the most and and he had the best game of everybody you know so he he backed it up and he walked to the walk um the the Cowboys are good we've seen the 49ers destroy both of those teams already so I think the 49ers deserve to be looked at as the best team in the NFC and then it's the Eagles and then it's the Cowboys and then it's the the Lions and then I think it's the Seahawks um, and I think there's probably a clear line, almost their own tier with all of those teams. And, and, um, it'll be interesting to see Eagles Cowboys this year and, and how those matchups happen in the playoffs. And I do think home field's pretty important because I don't think I want the 49ers to go to Philly again, right. And have to go through that. Uh, so if they could do that one at home, I think that would help a ton for the 49ers. So pretty important the rest of the way. And we'll see if the 49ers can uh, continue to win a lot of football games and, and see if the Eagles lose another one because um, it's going to be a lot closer if the Niners do go to Philadelphia. Even if the 49ers are a better team, I don't think they're going to win 42-19 to 19 in the playoffs against probably either the Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles. Brian's great. He does great work and has great analysis on the 49ers. And for more on Brian, go check him out over at the Locked On 49ers podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Still lots to get to on Locked On NFL. Coming up. We'll be getting the other side of that 49ers-Eagles game with Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles talking about what it means for Philadelphia. So be sure to stay tuned. Lots to get to on Locked On NFL. First, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And there are so many ways to get involved during the holiday season, such as exchanging gifts, cards, people go on vacations, plenty of experiences that happen, people go donate. But there's also another element of enjoying time together and focusing on that element. I, I personally love doing both, getting good family time, but also doing some secret Santas and exchanging gifts. 
as well. And whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you get to define how you give to yourself. And the holidays, they're a great time to do that. So whether it's by starting therapy, going easier on yourself during the tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. And there are plenty of benefits to therapy that so many benefit from, whether it's the learning positive coping skills aspect of it or how to set boundaries. Also, it can empower you to become the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for everyone. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. We're back. It's our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Allstriker still talking with you here on Monday after week 13 Sunday NFL action. I appreciate everybody again for being here on Locked On NFL, making us your first listen each and every day. We talked with Brian Peacock in the first segment of Locked On 49ers about San Francisco's big win. But now let's get into Philly's big loss. Louis DiBiase gets us with the analysis on the other side of that game. So let's talk with Louis now. Well, in one of the premier matchups of the NFL season between the Philadelphia Eagles and San Francisco 49ers, Philadelphia falls short, losing to San Francisco 42-19. to Here to talk about what this loss means for the Eagles is Louis DiBiase, one of the hosts of Locked On Eagles. And Louis, this is only the Eagles' second loss of the season, so it's not like it's pure panic in Philadelphia right now, but definitely not how the Eagles wanted this one to go. Where did it all go wrong for Philly in this one? No, absolutely. This was a gut check. I think they got punched in the mouth by an elite roster, one of the best teams in the entire NFL. And I think it honestly got out of hand pretty quick because early on the offense was driving the football down the field. They were having a lot of success in the passing game, especially the quick passing game. The pass protection was there. Jalen Hurts looked sharp. So did A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. But they did not turn their red zone opportunities into touchdowns. They had to settle for field goals. And against a team like this, that has as much talent as they do on both sides of the ball, you have to be flawless. You can't make those mental mistakes of penalties and tripping in the red zone. And just, again, it's a very small margin of error when you're playing in another elite team. Overall, I think right after that, the wheels kind of came off, and it just felt like they were pressing on both sides of the ball, and they just got outcoached. The 49ers just felt like an answer for everything that the Eagles threw at them. So just hats off to San Francisco. That's a great team, and would not be surprised if that's the NFC title once again in a few months. Yeah, I think a lot of people have it is the NFC title game, and I would not be shocked either. But a lot of people had Philly as the best team in the NFL. You know, they had the one loss. Everything was going swimmingly for them for the most part. I think a lot of people are now revisiting that conversation with just the pure way that this game went. In your eyes, Louie, is Philadelphia still the team to beat in the NFL, or does this loss say more about San Francisco than it does Philadelphia? Yeah, I still think they're the team to beat. I think San Francisco is right there. You could honestly argue this could be 1A, 1B, but I don't want this suddenly to discredit everything Philadelphia has done leading up to this point at 10-1. and We knew this was the gauntlet part of their schedule where they had a ton of tough tests, and they were 4-0 through those tests before this. They had beaten the Miami Dolphins, the Dallas Cowboys, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, of course not in blowout fashion because those are really good teams. So, yes, San Francisco today, they dominated Philadelphia. They showed they are equally as good 
as that football team. But again, what the Eagles have done this year, I think should not be suddenly thrown out the window. They're still elite where it matters the most in the trenches at quarterback at the skill positions. And they beat San Francisco to get to the Super Bowl not that long ago. And these are very similar teams still. So it's kind of the same thing as the Eagles Chiefs game a few weeks ago. Like the Eagles got revenge and showed they can beat Kansas City. They have what it takes. San Francisco showed they have what it takes to beat Philadelphia. I don't think suddenly that means the Chiefs can't beat the Eagles again if they met in the Super Bowl or the Eagles can't get back at the 49ers if they met in the NFC title. So I think it definitely exposed some weaknesses that Philly's been trying to cover up all year. But overall, I still think this has more, it says more about how good San Francisco is than suddenly how bad Philadelphia is. Yeah, and it was just a game with plenty of ups and downs. I know at the end of it, it was more downs for Philadelphia, but there was a weird sequence between Big Dom, as they call him, and Dre Greenlaw. It ends up with the ejection of a player and a security personnel guy. I mean, what can you tell us? Because I'm not sure many people outside of Philadelphia know much about Big Dom. What can you tell us about him? And what was your take on that whole interaction and ejection process? Yeah, so Big Dom is very well known in the Eagles fan base in the city of Philadelphia as the guy that escorts all the new players, you know, at the Philadelphia airport. He goes to pick them up. He's always the guy leading the coach out of the tunnel and, you know, after the game to go meet with the other coach. So he's their head chief of security. He also has an the office-like title of the assistant to the general manager, which I think is really funny. There were a lot of Italian soprano jokes being made today about the Eagles sideline, which is funny. So yeah, he's one of their security guys. And I think that kind of just escalated from Greenlaw hit Devontae Smith late. Devontae didn't like it. The entire Eagles sideline didn't like it. And Dom was right there just trying to get everybody to go back to the field. And he put his hands on Greenlaw, which again, it's not like he, totally tried to like take Greenlaw down or it was an aggressive push but Greenlaw we know his track record in the NFL we know he's a fiery player and it was in the heat of the moment and you put your hands on a player like that sometimes they're gonna respond in a negative way it was a very intense atmosphere in this game these are two of the biggest rivals I think this league has to offer so that's what escalated to it Greenlaw took a swing at Big Dom and you know, they both got ejected. I'll take that trade-off, though, every single time. If the Big Dom's going to get ejected, but it means one of the other team's best defensive players does too, I'll take that every single week. So I think that just represented, Kevin, like, again, how intense this rivalry, ha rivalry really has grown over the last year. There's been a lot of trash talk, and I think that definitely showed on the field today. So I think the NFL should like that, though, and embrace it. There's not a lot of this still in sports. Yeah, and I think that's why so many people want this to be the NFC Championship because you get that fiery, intense. It almost felt like a playoff game on yeah. Sunday, so it was awesome. But I know, Louis, the Eagles, they have a great roster already. They might not be done adding to it, though. A couple of big names being linked to Philadelphia. Now, at the time of this recording, nothing official has happened with either one of Zach Ertz or Shaq Leonard, but Philadelphia is certainly in the mix for both of those guys. How likely do you think – it is that Philadelphia is the team to win out on those guys. And what would they bring if they're signed? Yeah, I think they have a really good chance at both. I think they have a better chance at Zach Ertz than Shaq Leonard. Um, and I think they could use Zach Ertz more than Shaq Leonard. I think San Francisco exposed on Sunday that the Eagles have a weakness at linebacker, especially now that Zach Cunningham is injured. He was their starter. But I don't think Shaq Leonard comes in and suddenly fixes the issues that they have at linebacker. I think at that position, they need more speed, more coverage ability. I don't think at this point in his career, that's who Shaq Leonard is. He was missing snaps with Indianapolis because of that inability. So to me, I'm more focused on Zach Ertz. I think they have a better chance of landing him anyway. I think Ertz has always wanted to finish his career in Philadelphia. I think that story of potentially ending his career with another Super Bowl ring or a shot at it in the place that he spent the 
previous eight years, where, by the way, he's only 11 catches away from breaking the Eagles' all-time receptions record. So another reason he might want to come back. So I think that's the move I'm more focused on. They have a chance of both. But I think, again, this also, this game also showed, Kevin, that outside of A.J. Brown and, and Devontae Smith, when this team does not have Dallas Goddard, they really don't have a counter to going to outside of those two receivers. The run game has been very inconsistent, and their third receivers and tight ends just have not been good enough. Julio Jones, Quez Watkins, Olamid Zacchaeus, Jack Stahl, they're just not getting the job done. So even at the age he's at right now, I think Zach Ertz could come in and be very effective and be an upgrade over what they have. Again, they got to find more compliments to Smith and Brown and then Goddard when he comes back. Louie does great work over at the Locked On Eagles podcast. Be sure to check him out over there, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, we'll move away from the San Francisco and Philadelphia game. We'll get into the Packers' big Sunday night football win over the Kansas City Chiefs with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. Don't go anywhere. It's a lot to get to on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by Game Time, and I've personally had plenty of frustrating ticket-buying experiences in my life. Sometimes I wasn't sure if the seats were good. Sometimes I couldn't find last minute tickets. Other times, there are just no good deals whatsoever. But you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views and receipt, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And Game time, I'm, I'm in the Baltimore area as the host of Locked On Ravens. And with the Ravens on a bye in week 13, they're coming back to MT Bank Stadium in week 14 to play the Los Angeles Rams. Plus, there are plenty of concerts in the area, plenty of great venues here. And plus, game time has last-minute tickets, flash deals, and zone deals, which are all great. And game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps, and they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. With zone deals, you pick the section, and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNFL, spelled L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. Download game time today. Less minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Big week 13 in the books for Sunday's action. Kevin Ostriker back with you here on Locked On NFL. Thank you again for being here with me on the show, whether you're an everyday or you listen to this show every single day. If it's your first time into the channel, welcome in. And if you're somewhere in the middle, of course, I appreciate all the support. And we all do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Five days a week, NFL content, so you can be sure to subscribe on YouTube, subscribe in audio form. It is free, and it's the same show, both audio and video. But let's round out this episode by talking with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers in a crazy, wild, and wacky game between the Packers and the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Let's get into that conversation right now. The Green Bay Packers, they make a statement against the Kansas City Chiefs on primetime Sunday Night Football to beating Kansas City 27 and 19 here to talk with me about that game is Peter Bukowski, the host of Locked On Packers. And Peter, I'd say it was a sensational game on less than sensational officiating in this one. <laughs> Both teams having calls that definitely did not go in their favor down the stretch. But I don't want to focus solely on that because it was a great game from Jordan Love. Christian Watson making plays before going down late in this one. How did Green Bay pull it out? They've been doing the same thing over the last few weeks. And that is coming out with really strong plans of attacking the defenses that they're facing. And, and in this game, that meant pounding the rock with A.J. Dillon and, and then coming back off with, with play action. And, and that was apparent on the first drive 
you know, AJ Dillon, you're going to look at the stat sheet and you're going to go, okay, it wasn't the greatest game, 18 carries, 73 yards. But on third and two, you get two yards. That's really useful. And then that sets you up the play action. And they they killed the Lions off play action. And then you lose Drew Tranquil in this game, who's filling in for Nick Bolton. You kill the Chiefs on play action in this game. And when you can do that and, and you can create the layup throws where guys are just open because the linebackers are vacating space, then you set up Jordan Love to make some of these wow throws, some of these dazzle throws. And fourth and one, with multiple Chiefs bearing down on him, he throws what seemed like in the moment a prayer. And yet it is an absolute dime to Romeo Dobbs between defenders. That sets up a laser beam to Christian Watson in the back of the end zone over the outstretched arms of the defender. And you you heard on the uh, the game the game call, if you watched it, them talking to... Matt LaFleur and just their read on Jordan Love was the command that he's been playing with. And, and to put in perspective just how good this was, Kevin, based on EPA per drive, this is from Shale Capadia over at the Ringer. The Packers' offensive performance, this is the fifth best offensive performance of the season. Seven possessions, three touchdowns, two peel goals, two punts. At least two first downs on every single drive. And we're talking about a top 10 defense. That, that sort of progress from Jordan Love is remarkable. And I think Matt LaFleur deserves a ton of credit for it. Yeah, what 100%. One of my favorite things about doing this show, Peter, is the fact that I get to talk to, you know, all the hosts on our network throughout the year. And with you, it's been the progression of yeah. what is Jordan Love? Who can Jordan Love be? Is Jordan Love the guy? And every time it's been, well, we've seen him do this. Can he continue it? We've seen the specialness, but is there another level? Well, where are you now? Because this was a huge win for the Packers, puts him in that seventh spot in the NFC, yeah. just how big of a moment was this for him? You know, this this was one of those, I think, I called it on my post-game show, um, the defining win of the Jordan Love era to date. It's only been, what, 12 starts? So, like, we're not not a big sample size here. But go back to the Rams game. They they, they have a four-game losing streak. It is It has gotten ugly. They are two and five at that point. And they, they against the Rams, a backup quarterback, Brett Rippon, like, okay, but they found an identity. 21 personnel with two running backs, 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field. Play action. Every run they can run from the gun or under center. Um, a couple of big plays from Jordan Love, and they won that game 20 to three. That set up where they are now. And now you just, you, you see a, a different version of this offense against the Steelers. They attacked vertically in a way that we hadn't seen them all season. Uh, Jordan Love over the last month has been one of the best um, vertical throwers, big play throwers, hunting explosives. We saw, the, I, I mentioned Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, the first play of the game last week. Not a perfect throw, but you give your guy a chance. And the the comfort level that he's playing with, we saw the inconsistencies. You know, there were, there were flashes of arm talent, but they were sort of few and far between. And then for the middle of the season, we started to see more flashes of the arm talent, but the inconsistencies remain. You know, in Pittsburgh, throws two interceptions. Now, you're just seeing a guy who's absolutely balling out. I mean, he looks incredible. And I, I wondered after the Lions game on our postgame show, is this just who Jordan Love is now? This guy that we've seen over the last month. To do it in, in these circumstances, in a cold weather game, it was, it was low 30s, snow before the game, Taylor Swift in the building, um, you know, Simone Biles, the GOAT, also in the building. She's, she's married to Jonathan Owens. This this moment has not felt too big for him 
and he goes out and has one of his best games, if not his best game of his year or of his career against Patrick Mahomes. Like, how can you not be excited about that? Yeah, it's a great time right now in Green Bay. And now again, they have slid into that playoff race officially. And if they can keep it there, if they can kind of, well, I don't even know if the word is sneak in anymore because they're playing really good football right now. What's their ceiling? Who do they go up against? And who do you feel confident in them beating in that NFC? Well, you know what's interesting is uh, they they are six and six right now. I don't I, I don't know when you look around the league, given that the Packers just beat what the third or fourth best team in the NFC, and I don't know probably the best team in the AFC, the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, I I don't know why if you're the Packers you would feel like you should be afraid of any of these these teams. I don't know yet if if the Aaron Rodgers voodoo magic um, with the Cowboys applies to Jordan Love. Um, but wouldn't it be fun in the playoffs for us to see that? Wouldn't that be really cool? Wouldn't it be awesome, Kevin, if we got a a rematch, Jordan Love against the Philadelphia Eagles last year? He sort of explodes onto the scene with that performance. Everyone goes, well, oh, whoa, wait, wait a second. Jordan Love, and it's the Eagles in a 2-7 in a kind of matchup. Wouldn't that be fun? Or, I'm not rooting for this, but narratively it would be fun. The 49ers, like they were the boogeyman for Aaron Rodgers. And the Packers, uh, multiple iterations of the Packers, it it would be quite the thing to to have a a situation like that. And why not? Like, why couldn't they exercise some demons? We saw the 49ers lose to P.J. Walker. Like, weird things happen in the NFL. You just never know. Peter and those Packers are definitely feeling good. And there's a chance they can sneak into this playoff picture and maybe cause some damage in the NFC. But Peter is great. Check him out over at the Locked On Packers podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So I have to hear Dan locked on NFL. Thank you so much again for tuning into the show. Be sure to subscribe, follow log in audio form, the whole nine yards. I'm going to get back here tomorrow. It's more NFL content with your Tuesday hosts. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on NFL.